Welcome, everyone, to the You're Still Out Golf Podcast and yet another special interview segment uh, of the YSO Podcast. My man, Jay Till, uh, talking to OU's own Quade Cummins and Garrett Reban. So, obviously, it's Big 12 Championship Week, right? So, we've got several interviews, uh, several special pods uh, that we're going to be releasing throughout the week. Uh, and, of course, that's all leading up to Jay Till and I being at Prairie Dunes again on Wednesday the final round of the Big 12 Championship coming up here in just a couple of days. Super excited about that. Obviously, fingers crossed that the weather is going to cooperate with us. Uh, it seems like it's going to. Maybe a little bit of rain in the forecast on Tuesday, uh, but it looks like it's going to be okay on Wednesday while we're up there and uh, in hope to see uh, perhaps Oklahoma crown Big 12 Championship. Obviously, Oklahoma State. Uh, we're going to have some Oklahoma State uh, interviews and, uh, and a little bit of behind-the-scenes uh, from uh, from some of the uh, former Oklahoma State golfers as well, so a little bit of a tease there. I won't dive into it too much, but uh, the Pokes will get their fair share and uh, equal to- uh, treatment, I should say, uh, coming up uh, later on this week as well. But before we get into that, as always, have to show some love to our primary sponsor, and of course, that is Chalk Sports Bar. So everybody knows about Chalk, right? 1324 West Memorial Road there in Chisholm Creek Plaza. You can follow Ben, Chad, and the entire Chalk team on the web at chalkokc.com or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at chalkokc. I know they're fired up about some Big 12 golf this week as well. So uh, always the favorite that is Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. Get out there and check them out. Um, Again, not a bad seat in the house for all your sporting needs uh, and desires and wants and good food as well, right? So whatever sports you want to watch on television, Chalk has it, but uh, the menu can't be beat as well. So I was unfortunately not able to participate in this interview, so I was out of town on Friday. But uh, here is my man, Jay Till, teeing it up with OU's own Quade Cummins and Garrett Reban. All right. Well, very, uh, very cool morning here as we're recording this on the uh, what Friday morning before the uh, Big 12 Championship starts next Monday. It's happy to be joined by OU Sooner golf team members, uh, Mr. Quade Cummins and Mr. Garrett Reband. Guys, welcome to the program. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. And uh, what I've learned in uh, podcast land is that so uh, the listeners know who's talking. Quade, why don't you just give us a maybe 30-second intro on you, how you kind of got into the game originally, and you know, kind of when you realized you had the talent to play at an elite amateur level. Maybe that's a one-minute answer. 30 seconds is a little tough. So I started playing golf uh, probably when I was three or four years old, go out with my dad and grandpa in Weatherford, Oklahoma. Um, you know, probably the only last few holes before my mom would have to come pick me up. But uh, I started playing nine hole tournaments when I was eight. And, you know, I thought it was really fun uh, being able to golf and compete. And uh, probably when I started taking it really serious was probably, you know, 10 or 11 and then uh, obviously getting into high school and stuff I had a lot of friends that were going to you know OSU and stuff like that I, I grew up uh, I was a little younger than Max McGreevy and I saw him going to OU and you know he was always you know kind of that guy that different uh, you know he was always he was the he was the mo- more competitive guy that we'd hang out with and stuff like that so and I kind of went with that and I knew he was going to OU so I knew it had to be a good deal so I mean I'd say that and then uh coming into OU I came in with uh Brad and Blaine Hale and 
Thomas Johnson, and you know, we grew pretty close uh, before we got to school. And, uh, you know, that helped a lot coming to OU and stuff like that. I knew Brad. Brad actually moved to Hobart, Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think his junior year of high school. So, uh, so I got to play with him for uh, probably a semester until he moved to Edmond. So uh, that, was, that was a good – that was fun. You don't get to, get to do that every day with a, a top-ranked junior in the world uh, playing nine holes at Clinton. So uh, that, was, that was fun. Very cool, yeah. Being uh, being a Weatherford guy, you're you're a Prairie West man, and then over in uh, over in Clinton at Riverside, kind of the, the local tracks, right? Yeah, yeah. Played a lot those of golf. Were, those were the main two places we'd go play. Very cool. Well, Garrett, give us a little bit about uh, your background in golf. How you started playing? When you kind of realized, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make something out of this, and and uh, and a Fort Worth Claiborne, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. All right, dive dive in, buddy. Yeah, so I uh, I started out. I actually my first baby pitcher. I was holding a club when I when I <laughs> believe it or not. Um, so I started out when I was about two or three, um, just kind of whacking some uh, plastic balls and plastic clubs in the backyard with my mom. And then my dad's been a been a head pro basically since since I started out. Uh, actually, in Michigan where I was born. Okay. So my mom my mom and dad would take me out to the range and I'd kind of just beat balls around. I just, I kind of had a knack for it and I just, I really loved it. I started tournaments when I was basically about seven or eight, um, kind of like Quaid playing a few nine hole tournaments. I uh, just really enjoyed it. And I was, I was just winning a lot. I got really good when I kind of thought that I could take this to a high elite amateur level was probably my eighth grade near freshman year of high school when I really wanted to play uh, college golf. And that was kind of, um, when I knew and I put in a lot of hard work to, to get there and obviously come to OU is really special and it's been a great five years. Well, let's talk a little about OU obviously as a program, huge elevation status over the last six, or really six, six to 10 years. Um, obviously a lot of great tradition, 89 national champions. I know we've always been proud of that and then added another one there in 2017, but let me have you guys gush over uh, Coach Hibble a little bit. I got a thing, having spent a tiny amount of time with the guy and seen him from afar, obviously. Got to be a guy who's uh, who's fun to, fun to ride and die with. So, uh, Garrett, kind of give us a sense of your relationship with uh, Coach Hibble, how he got you to OU, that process, and then uh, then we'll kick it over to Quaid. Yeah, Coach Hibble's a great guy. He actually, Coach Smart was the one that recruited me when uh, back would have been my eighth grade slash freshman year, he came out and watched me play an event, called me up said, we want you to come to OU. We want you to come take a visit. Um, but yeah, coach Hibble has been a big part since I've been here at OU. He's a great guy. Um, he wants nothing but the best for all of us. And there's no work that he won't put in to help us get better, which is, which is really special. And it's hard to find um, for a lot of coaches. Wait, what are your thoughts on yeah, uh, Mr. Hibble? Uh, I would have to agree uh, with what Reben was saying. Um, Hibble, he's he's great at developing guys. I, in my opinion, you look at all the guys that have come through Hibble. Um, they've all gotten better by the time they leave. Uh, doesn't matter who it is, and doesn't matter how you know you might have gotten better by a couple shots. You might have gotten better by fifteen shots. So um, I think that everybody's gotten better. He he'll work with everybody on the team. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, it's not like he, 
you know, doesn't talk to the guys that aren't playing. He's out there doing just as much work with those guys as he is with the guys that are traveling. So it's not, not like, uh, he didn't pay attention to everybody. He knows he knows whatever where everybody's game's at at all times. It's not like you're gonna sneak something around him and you know be playing better than better than he thinks you are or something like that. But uh, I just think he's great at developing developing guys. By the time they leave, he gets us ready for pro golf with um, you know summer schedules and stuff like that. He's always kind of been big on us to you know have a good summer schedule and be gone for a little bit of time because that's what you're gonna have to do when you have to play pro golf and uh I don't know if a lot of coaches do that or not but you know it helps that we're playing for a guy that does that stuff for us yeah I think the you talk about the putting in the work I mean that's something that uh you know coach Hibble has always been known for not just um his coaching career but obviously his college career, his amateur career, um, you know, obviously a lot of folks don't know, but he was a big, big high school football guy. And um, fun to see that competitive fire. And obviously he is getting you guys ready. I didn't, I didn't kind of lead with this in the open, but, um, you know, getting, having you have the culture where, yeah, we're going to get up at 8.30 and take a podcast interview from some guy we don't know. I mean, that's definitely creating the culture. What you're going to have to deal with out there when everybody's grabbing at you to, uh, to talk a little bit. Uh, but tell us about that competitive spirit in the culture uh, of OU's golf squad. Coach Hibble, when we had him on, told us a great story. And uh, you guys are so competitive. Hopefully you remember this one. But about you, the two of you actually battling it out out at Jimmy to, uh, for a qualifying spot. It was getting late, getting dark. Guys end up having to go kind of cross-country holes, just doing some wild stuff. I don't know who wants to who wants to take this one, but uh, – elaborate on that story a little bit. It sounds like you guys were getting after it. Didn't, didn't want to get the, uh, the, the short end of the stick. Yeah, I'll start it off. So this story, uh, I don't know if he told this part, but, uh, I actually had class at like two o'clock that day. So I had to tee off early, which probably, you know, if I go out and shoot a good round, it probably puts a little more pressure on rebound than it would if I was playing, with reband and then I think I go and I tie what he was at or get one ahead of where he was at so I'm either tied with him or one ahead of him before he tees off and coach Hibble I think tells him or whatnot and then uh I get out of class and I'm coming down the stretch I'm watching like 17 or 18 and you know it looks like we're going to a playoff and I go get my clubs uh haven't hit a ball we go we go over to number 10 and coach Hibble's like you know this just you know you're just gonna have to deal with it and you know you're just like you get thrown in situations you don't want to be in all the time so we get thrown into this situation and you know we go for probably I want to say like we go for four real holes and we're all I think we we birdied one of them and card the rest <clears throat> and then it's like our we finished our fourth hole and it's getting pretty dark and coach uh, there's not really another hole to play around. So he's like, all right, just tee off from the back of the green and we'll go to the green uh, before we just played. And you can play it ever how you want. And, you know, me and Reban, we kind of took different paths, but we kind of ended up in the same spot. But my ball was on the green. And uh, <clears throat> I ended up winning the spot. But just having that, me and Reban, I think we won by, you know, quite a bit. Uh, so it was uh, – a good test and we we're going to a tournament right after that and we knew reban was going to go but we both we both knew we were going to be in the lineup but we wanted to win that spot so bad just to, you know have 
have that feeling of you earned the spot rather than given the spot. Uh, so that's kind of that's kind of what I remember about having to do that. All right, Garrett. So tell us from from the guy that uh, you know to, couldn't get that that final birdie to drop. Uh, you know what uh, that same kind of how does that how does that make you better? Even though you were the one that quote unquote didn't get the spot. Uh, it was great. Um, we were just battling it out. Like neither of us wanted to lose that. I mean, for four straight holes, we're making clutch putts that we need to because neither of us wanted to give each other because uh, we don't want to we don't want to lose to each other. We haven't been like that for five years. So. <laughs> But yeah, it's kind of being able to adapt and kind of learn and um, get used to different experiences. Like Quaid said, playing that uh, last hole, um, we played it from the back of a par five all the way to the last par three. It was the strangest route I've ever seen, um, <laughs> but we just had to figure it out. And we, like he said, we took two different paths. He went down the right, I went down the left. Um, he hit a great shot to get on the green. I ended up in the bunker and then he made a great putt. So there's nothing I can do about that. Hats off to the guy. But like I said, we just – neither of us wanted to lose that, and we were willing to do whatever it took, make, make any putt um, to stay in it. So it was pretty, it was pretty cool. That's uh, that's pretty pretty epic stuff on a – you know, what most college golf fans have, have really no idea what kind of goes into that. And uh, that, that, that type of commitment and competitiveness is very cool. So uh, it was awesome to hear Coach tell it and um, then hear it from y'all's perspective. But uh, you could just tell in his voice when he was telling the story, he was fired up, you know, a month later, just telling the story. So it must've been pretty epic to be out there seeing those putts go down. Um, Well, that definitely, that kind of competitive tones you for uh, kind of one of the big prizes of the season, that being the uh, the big 12 championship. Uh, You guys are going up to Hutchinson, Kansas. Uh, getting to play Prairie Dunes uh, starting on Monday, the 26th, I believe it is here in the month of April. So big 12 championship time obviously brings a lot of uh, storylines into play, especially uh, this year, kind of having things washed last year with COVID. But I want to start with, I'm, I'm definitely a self-proclaimed golf nerd and want to start with a little bit of appreciation for Prairie Dunes, Perry Maxwell. Give us a sense of your, um, Again, appreciation for great golf course architecture and uh, talk a little bit about Prairie Dunes. Uh, specifically, have you gotten to go up there already? Uh, if not, what are you looking forward to the most? Uh, and Garrett, we're going to let you go, go first here since uh, since you're our out-of-state guy and uh, maybe <laughs> Perry Maxwell wasn't as uh, you know beaten into you as it was us Okies. Yeah, for sure. Um, didn't know a whole lot about him starting out. Um, I know he's a great golf course architect. Um, Got a lot of great golf courses and never been to Prairie Dunes either. Um, but I've heard a lot of stories and, uh, from what I've heard, it's going to be a, it's going to be a good test of golf and expect some bad weather because that's what happens up in Kansas. So basically if you can just keep the ball in front of you and get it around the greens, keep it short of the hole and hopefully your short game's good, you'll do well out there. Yeah, for sure. Quaid, give us, uh, from an Oklahoma perspective and, and your thoughts on Mr. Maxwell and yeah. then, uh, and then specifically Prairie Dunes. I think everybody in Oklahoma is uh, – they probably know every Perry Maxwell course that's in Oklahoma. Um, we get to play one every day at Jimmy Austin. So, you know, it's kind of been changed and whatnot over the years, but it's still a, still a good course. It's probably not one of his more traditional courses, I would say. It's kind of on, you know, a decent-sized piece of property. But I have also not been to Prairie Dunes. I know that's a, prob- a big piece of property as well. 
I'm not really sure how the holes run together and if you can see other holes or not. But when it comes to Perry Maxwell, he, uh, you know, all of his golf courses are well known and well designed and, you know, it's going to be a good test, but I think that's why, you know, we have, we have so much fun uh, playing hard golf courses because, you know, you, it's not, it's not just a chip and putt out there. You got to, you know, be in control of your ball and, you know, it's, it's fun playing hard golf courses. It's fun watching the U S open and seeing guys struggle. And uh, I think that's what we might get if the wind's blowing up there and, you know, whoever's, you know, doing the best of being in control of their ball is probably going to be doing the best in the tournament. So, uh, you know, that's kind of what we've heard and uh, stuff like that. So hopefully, you know, we can do a good job of doing that. Well, I can tell you, you're both in for a, a huge treat. Um, do you guys get to go up like a day early and get a practice run in? What has the schedule work for the Big 12 champ? I didn't have that on the list, but what's the schedule? I know the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is the actual tournament play, but what's the lead in for that look like? We're leaving uh, Saturday morning, so tomorrow morning, and then we're driving up, and we're actually going to play Flint Hills. Ooh. And then uh, we're going to play – so uh, then we're going to play our practice round on Sunday and then tournament Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Well, I can assure you when you roll in off the road there at Hutchinson, you're going to be like, how is this place here? I mean, it uh, it's 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 quite a piece of property. Uh it's kind of funny uh, being a golf course nerd. I'm I'm almost uh, I'm almost excited like for you to 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 roll out there. It's gonna it's gonna be a fun gonna be a fun week. Well, um, in addition to the golf course, obviously you go in with a lot of competitive spirit to the Big Twelve Championship. Uh, probably your your fiercest rivals and the guys that you see the most uh, week in week out, month in month out uh, over the last five years. But you know, I gotta ask you rivalries are uh, somewhat um, interesting in that, you know, I think fans can get um, super excited about rivalries and take it really serious. You know, we don't like these guys. And, you know, I was curious from an actual competitive nature uh, when you're, when you're out there and especially in this day and age with so much interaction on the junior circuit, I mean, a lot of these guys you could have ended up being on the same squad as and maybe have good relationships with them uh, that are on other Big 12 schools and even even throughout the country. So I guess the question is, when you think about Okie State, you think about the Longhorns, um, you know, Texas Tech, even to an extent, Baylor, uh, are the rivalries actually rivalries? And I definitely want Reband to go first here, being a Texas guy, and then we've got him up here north of the Red River, Give me a sense of what that that feels like. Is a rivalry actually a rivalry? Yes and no. Um, when I mean, obviously, off the golf course, we're all we're all pretty close. We're all pretty tight on the golf course. I just know from my experience that I don't want anybody to be me. I want to be the lowest guy out there. Yeah, it was kind of funny growing up in Texas. I you think I'd be a Texas fan, um, right. but but never really was. Um, and then kind of fell in love with Oklahoma and Norman and Coach Hibble will get me getting me up here. So, um, yeah. Quaid, what are your thoughts on the competitive rivalries, uh, so to speak? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say the same thing. Um, I don't think we want to lose to anybody. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, a small D one school or, a you know, number two ranked team in the nation. I don't think we want to lose to anybody and we don't want to give anybody a chance to beat us. So, uh, that's that's my take on the rivalry and then uh 
off the golf course, you know, we, we both have friends on, you know, we both talk to guys on the OSU team. We both talk to guys on the Texas team. It's not like we're out there, you know, telling people to square up in the parking lot after we play or anything <laughs> like that. But, uh, it's more of a JC Cowboys but, kind of thing, right? You know, there, right. There, there has been, yeah. There has been a lot, there has been some tension, you know, coming down the stretch where, you know, <laughs> your buddies might not be your buddies after the round, but on the course, it, on the course, everybody's a rival and off the course, you know, you, you, you have your friends. Well, to that point and having, having friends on, on the other squads, um, how much do you guys in this day and age of, of technology and being able to see what's happening out there? And, you know, while a lot of big 12 schools play in the same events during the fall and spring, there's a lot of times where you're playing in, in different events. You know, you guys might be out in Arizona and somebody else might be in Florida. How much do you guys kind of check out on golf stat to see how other programs are faring or even individual. Do you guys kind of pay a lot of attention to that and, and kind of talk about it post round and when you're kind of hanging out or is that kind of like, we're totally focused here on what we're doing. Um, I'm kind of curious about that. I know that us golf geeks like to fire up golf stack though. It's the only way we can keep up with you guys. So curious if that works the same way on the team. What do you got Q? I think we, uh, well, I guess speaking for myself, I, I pay attention to the rankings and stuff like that. It's not like an everyday thing. I just look at it when, you know, new rankings come out. I don't really look at tournaments. Um, I might, if it's like, a yeah, I've been looking at the sec championship this week. Uh, if it's a big tournament, you know, so if it's a loaded field, I might look at it, but usually I just look at the, you know, the rankings and numbers. That's your same take reband. Yeah, pretty much some of the same stuff. Um, kind of like you said, if it's a if it's a bigger tournament, um, I'll uh, I'll take a peek at it. But I'm really I really don't watch that much uh, scoring going on. Well, you guys talking a little bit about rankings here. Let me uh, let me kind of go out of order on our questions list. Give, give me a sense of PGA Tour. You, I mean, this as much of a, a golf nerd as I am, it's hard to really understand uh, what that really uh, kind of goes into that, but. Obviously, both of you very highly ranked uh, in those standings. Uh, Reban right there, number two, uh, kind of nipping at the heels of John Pock, and then and then Quaid at seven. Now you've made a big jump over here in the last week or so, but give us a sense of how kind of PGA Tour U came about, what the benefit is uh, for college level elite golf talent, and then you know what, how is that mutually beneficial to the PGA Tour? to have that and I'll just defer to whichever one of you wants to break it down for us. PGA tour you came about when COVID kind of hit and they're essentially taking your last two years of uh, college golf tournaments and kind of putting it into a point system and a ranking to rank one through 15, obviously one through five gets corn ferry um, status and then six through 15 on the other tours, uh, Canada and Latin America. What else did you say? Sorry. <laughs> well, and just how you uh, how how that really benefits uh, not not just you two in particular, but college golfers in general. How, what are the benefits there that really um, are mutually beneficial for the PGA Tour for the college golf programs? Um, from that perspective, I guess. Yeah, um, it's it's huge for uh, for the senior class um, being able to not have to go through uh, qualifying sites, especially corn Ferry, Cause I know how difficult that can be. Mm -hmm. um, and honestly, all the tours are pretty tough to, to get in there and qualify on. So it's, it's a huge benefit to just know if you play well uh, your senior year, 
then getting that top 15 that you'll have, you'll have a place to play um, coming up in your first year of pro golf. Well, and I know that uh, Quaid, you got to start uh, back in December, I believe it was. Uh, was that Mayakoba? Yeah, it was at Mayakoba. Okay, and then uh, I know Gary just painfully missed out on one uh, getting to Valero, but it looks like you kind of kind of keep this up. And when do the when do the rankings kind of cut off for PGA Tour? Are you? Uh, it'll be right after the national championship. Uh, right after national championship. Okay, so uh, lo- looking good to get some starts here over the next year, and kind of along those lines. And I don't know, literally, I don't know if this is like privileged information or not so this can be a pass if it needs to be but pga tour starts that uh, you're kind of looking at this summer um considering whether it be sponsor exemption just give us a sense if you can and i'll let each of you go on even if you don't have it kind of locked down uh, which what you'd like to to be able to participate in um reban you want to take this one first yeah um i've been working on a couple me and quade kind of we talked about this the other day we're looking at similar stuff. Um, I know for me, my big two is the Congre one, the new one that got replaced. Oh yeah. Um, and the Travelers Championship. Those are the, those are the two big ones I've been working on. Yeah, Wait, what are you looking uh, at, bud? That's the same for me. There's like a, there's like a probably a month, month and a half stretch that's like basically notorious for, you know, letting those, you know, two or three studs come and play. You know, you got the, you know past three or four years they've obviously won them uh which is you know high expectations for the new guys coming in but uh you know somebody will somebody will get on a nice run uh i don't know who it'll be or you know if it's gonna be the same few guys every single week but uh you know there'll probably be some guys that get in i don't know how, how many guys but uh i'm sure all the top ranked guys coming out are probably going for the same stuff so you know, some people are going to get them and some people aren't. So that's, you know, the way it works. Sure. Yeah. You got to be, uh, got to be playing well at the right time. And on top of that, uh, obviously the name recognition, I think is always important for, for sponsors exemptions in particular, because uh, they're trying to pay the bills out there, but one route to a tournament that um, a championship in this case, that is not necessarily dictated on, uh, past performance, it's uh, can you qualify or not, would be the U.S. Open being held this summer at uh, Torrey Pines. Give us um, give us your particular route into the, uh, or at least your hope, hopeful route into the U.S. Open, kind of local sectionals, uh, maybe even a little bit of education for the listeners who don't quite understand that in terms of uh, what local you're playing, what section you're playing, uh, kind of the route you're hoping to get out to San Diego. And Quay, we'll let you take this one first, bud. Yeah, so uh, this kind of this I didn't know this was going to happen. Uh, I was about to sign up for locals uh, like two weeks ago, and then I my ranking's good enough for uh, sectionals, but I didn't want to play as a amateur. And then I called the uh, USGA guy, and he said that it was from the Walker Cup. I could get into sectionals and play as a pro. So I'm going to go to uh, Springfield Country Club in Ohio. It's kind of close to the Columbus site, so you'll get some pros uh, traveling traveling there. Uh, I've I played there before. That's another reason I wanted to go. And then, uh, you know, they probably have four or five spots that you can get through, so it's not that many spots, but it's the course is also, you know, if you're on top of your game, you're probably going to get through – I think like four or five under made it through last time. So it's pretty challenging. So uh, hopefully 
try and put something together and make it to the U.S. Open. Sweet. Garrett, what's your route, bud? Well, obviously, I'm going to be trying to play as a pro, so i got to go through locals and uh, sectionals. Um, so I'm actually going to do my locals at Oak Tree um, up in Edmond. Um, played, there, played there a bunch, so I know the course pretty well. And uh, played pretty well out there, so that'll be where my locals is. And then I'm going to head to Dallas um, for my sectionals. So that'll be kind of my route. Um, looking forward to playing well in locals and getting through and having a chance at sectionals. Well, I think that uh, one of the great thing about the U.S. Open and we, that we missed last year um, with the way that they had to do it to not have qualifying over the summer, uh, spring and summer, is that uh, the true open feel uh, of the U.S. Open is back. And I know a lot of us golf nerds are excited about that. Always a lot of great stories come out of that. And so we're looking forward to seeing you guys tee it up out at Torrey. Um, you know, Quaid, you, you mentioned Walker Cup and uh, want to go there. And, you know, this is this probably the one question because I'm – you know, I'm kind of an easy cry, like a dog food, good dog food commercial kind of gets me really weeping. So, you know, I would have been really torn up if I was reband, you know, how do, how do we, how do we, you know, split between our children here? You know, it's a big deal. Uh, I was like, yeah, I was riding hard for you guys to both make the squad. So um, just give us a sense of your excitement. First of all, Quaid for um, being on the team, uh, what that means for you in the future. And then, you know, Seminole, have you got to go down there and, and get a little sneak peek? And uh, what can the listeners expect to see on, on TV come, what, May 8th and 9th? I think we'll start off the question. I think I thought that uh, me and Reban were both going to be on the team as well. And when it came out, it was kind of, you know, disappointing that we both weren't on it because that would have been, you know, I don't know. I know Cole and Pearson are on the same team mm-hmm. right now, but, you know, that's never happened at OU, and that'd be kind of, that would have been the cool thing to be able to say, you know, leave your legacy uh, and stuff like that. So we were kind of, you know, it kind of brought it down that we both weren't going. I know that we both wanted to be on the team and we both uh, made, went to the practice session at Bay Hill, which was really fun. And then um, going, I've, I actually went to Seminole probably uh, a month ago and it was it was super fun. It's you know what people I I I've only seen it on TV from uh, that Taylor made driving relief thing. Oh yeah, and you know it was exactly what what people kind of talk about. Uh, really tough. It's it's hard to hit a lot of greens out there. It's hard to make putts because the greens are so disgusting. And you know it's it's almost kind of like a I've been lucky enough to play a, a sandbelt course in Australia. It kind of it's kind of got the same. Uh, features to it around the greens, you know, balls just rolling in the bunkers uh, and stuff like that, rolling down hills 50 yards away from the green. So uh, it's kind of got some of those features, a lot of natural sand. It's kind of just grass on top of the beach type thing. So uh, now it'll be, it'll be fun, but obviously I know we both wish we were going and, you know, that'd be something that not very many people could say that they've done with a teammate. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Reband, just you know, just just put it all out there. Like, what are you? What were your thoughts? Were you were you just were you crushed? Were you? Uh, hey, it's just kind of one of those life lessons. Just give us give us the real story behind uh, when you when you heard the announcement. Yeah, I remember we were we were on a plane back from I think it was Tallahassee, our first event of the spring, and Quaid Quaid obviously he got the call that he was in, and he was like, "Reband, give him a call and let's see what they say." And 
he came out and said I was a second alternate and yeah, I was bummed out. It was frustrating. Um, and kind of coming back from my hand injury, there was all that talk about, was he ready or not? And then I kind of almost just used that as like a little chip on my shoulder, more of like a, a driver. I'd say so over to, the last month or so. <laughs> to, uh, and obviously I'm super happy for Quaid. I'm, I, I want nothing but the best for him too. But yeah, like he said, it's disappointing that we're not both there together, but I, I want the best for him. And yeah, kind of just using that uh, to kind of fuel me for this spring season and push myself to uh, be the best that I can be. Well, I appreciate you guys kind of working through that question. Cause I know a lot of folks that, that care a lot about the university of Oklahoma and the, and the golf program and, 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 and you two guys individually. Uh, yeah, man, we were, we were, we were thinking that same thing. What a, what a legacy that would be and how cool would it be to have two boomer Sooners down there, uh, kind of showcasing what Oklahoma golf is all about, but, uh, we're gonna have plenty of opportunity for that over the next, what, 30 days as we do big 12s regionals. And then, uh, and the big prize out in, out in Arizona, uh, NCAAs this year. Go ahead. Yes, there may be a Redder cup. Uh, pairing in the future hopefully <laughs> now that's what we need yeah two two oh you guys on the Ryder cup team Woo! that uh boy i'd be booked booked the plane tickets now for sure uh here here or over the pond uh well quaid you know, I, my, my ears my ears perked up big time when you said sandbelt okay so again i'll say it, i'll say it again huge huge golf nerd i know that um you kind of have the the early conversations about getting into some course design stuff. Um, tell us a yeah. little bit about that, and then I'm curious I'm not, to also know what course you uh, what course did you uh, play in Australia that was on the sandbelt? It was either Victoria Golf Club or Golf Club of Victoria. It's right next to Royal Melbourne. Yeah, it's where they they they've had they've had the uh, I don't know if it's Australian Open or what they've had probably five or six of those Australian pro tournaments out there that, you know, we watch on TV at 12 a.m. in the States. Oh, yeah. That's so, my kind of uh, thing. Stay up late and watch yeah, Australian was, golf. Like, that was, that was, it was super cool. Well, give us a little taste. And again, even though I'm sure it's cool, very much uh, just sketched out on, on paper or from long golf road trips, but tell us about your, uh, your inkling towards maybe doing a little bit of that work in the future. Yeah, it's it's not so much me. It's more of Logan McAllister on our team. <laughs> uh, so this is how it started. This is this is how it started. Logan's actually going to work with uh, Tom Doak this summer at uh, Ardmore. So that's yeah. how much he's into it. We were at uh, Big Twelves at Greenbrier a few years ago, and it was basically me, Brad, uh, Blaine, and Logan. And Brad's a super uh, big Google Maps guy. So, and Logan, and so we're just like looking at land around the Norman area and we basically designed an entire golf course from like a Google maps, like picture, like we have our layout, we know where we're putting the clubhouse and all this stuff. And we're like, we were so serious about it, Cause Brad and Blaine were about to turn pro. And we're like, dang, like, you know, if they go out and get a hot start, they can, you know, put some money aside and you know, hopefully, you know, I'll make some money and then, you know, this might be a real thing in like 10 or 15 years. And then, uh, we go out to the land, we saw like an oil field sign and it was like, you know, call this and, you know, get the name of the people that own it. And we called, got the guy's number. We called him and he actually, we told coach who he was and coach actually knew him. And he's like, there's no way in hell that you can even get this guy to <laughs> sell 
sell an acre. So we call this guy and we're like, Hey, you ever interested in like selling land right next to highway nine? And, you know, he turned us down. So that, that went that uh, little pipe dream that we had for a little bit, but uh, me and Logan still talk about it all the time. I don't know if Brad and Blaine ever think about it, but we always, you know, when we're driving to Tulsa to see Ryan Rody, we're looking out the, looking out the window, seeing if any land looks pretty cool to put a couple holes on. So, uh, no, Logan, Logan's super into that. And I actually think that he could, you know, if he doesn't, if he plays pro golf for a little bit, I actually think that he could go and do some stuff like that. You know, we have Trip Davis. We were actually around him this past weekend. And, you know, he was telling us his thoughts and stuff on some courses he's going to do. I think he's got three or four projects right now. But, yeah, Logan's going to go to Ardmore this summer when he can, when he's not playing. And, you know, I'm sure that'll be awesome to see. Yeah, that'll be a great experience working uh, for Mr. Doak. And on top of that, at a what will become you know, probably a world-class golf course, Dornick Hills, um, what we're talking about here. Down in Ardmore, you know, Perry Maxwell, first golf course. And um, it's going to be a treat to see what, uh, what Mr. Doak does with that. So, yeah, Logan will definitely uh, cut his teeth well if that's your if that's your first golf intern uh, golf architecture intern experience you're probably gonna be you know drinking from a fire hose um probably hard to take take in well uh you know, reban let me start this one with you just keep it on the golf course front what's the one golf course and we'll keep it to the states even though you know quade's done trying to take us overseas here but uh one golf course in the States that you're really geeked out to check out that you haven't been able to play. And maybe we'll take Prairie Dunes off the table since we know that one's in the cards, but uh, what's the one course here in the States that you're fired up to get a look at? Well, I'm going to go with a very obvious one. That'd be Augusta national. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've actually driven past it a few times. Um, my, uh, my mom actually lives up in South Carolina. Um, so I've been up there. And, uh, we driven, we driven past it a few times with some buddies, but another course, man, I haven't even really thought about it. It's kind of a hard question. Well, it's, um, uh, it is, uh, there's so many, it's hard. It is hard to just say one. So that, that's probably why I guess it's so, it's so easy to say one because everybody just shakes their head like, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. so there, I guess it's not a, not a bad answer, but, uh, we'll, we'll give you a second chance here. We'll, we'll come back. We'll yeah. come to queue and then we'll, we'll come, we'll get, if you have an honorable mention, we'll be happy to, to give you the floor. I, I, again. I got one. I got Okay. One. Fire it up. Uh, I would really like to play Quail Hollow. Okay. Right. Actually in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina there. Um, side of big, the, uh, what upcoming, is it going to president's cup? Um, next year, maybe. Am I, am I, yeah, I know it was the 2017 PGA there. Um, when Justin Thomas won, but uh, I've 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 been there. I've never played it. Um, it's a big boy golf course, a big boy test, and I think it'd be fun to hopefully in the future be able to play there. Good, good choice, good choice. Q, give us give us your uh, your bucket lister for uh, for the United States here. Yeah, I I mean I'll just go ahead and put Augusta in there. But I was thinking about it while Reband was answering. Uh, I really like you know like northeastern golf courses. You know you got the bent grass everywhere and stuff like that. So I'd probably go with. We I've driven past it and I was me and Brad Dalkey were supposed to play it one year, and the guy that was going to get us on forgot the member guest was going on. So we didn't get to play it, but, uh, it would, it would have been Oakmont. Ooh. 
Oakmont, so, church pews. Yeah, that place, man, you, you're, yeah. that's a little sadistic. I don't know. I mean, well, I'm sure Quail Hollow is difficult. Um, Oakmont, that's, that's a whole nother level of, uh, of tough. Um, no, too good, too good choice. Never, never, never. Well, and you know, upcoming opportunities, uh, through, through the good play or sponsored exemption perhaps over the next year to, to, uh, to get to Quail Hollow and then, um, trying to remember the next U S open that's going to happen at Oakmont, um, not too far away. So, um, maybe you guys can check those off the list sooner than later. All right. Well, tell me, you know, kind of, kind of picking apart, um, kind of, kind of the golf experience or, um, you know, playing the game. First question I have for you, tell me the, I want you to answer for the other one. What is the other's best club? And Reban, we're going to start with you. Best club in the bag for Big Q. If you could only have one, what's what's the one you'd give him? Man, that's tough. He's pretty good with all of them. Um, honestly, I would say his his driver. No matter what, he seems to always put it in play. Doesn't matter how bad the conditions are or what the wind's doing. He he finds a way to get it in a fairway, which is it's hard to come by with a lot of people. So that's what I would go with for him. Q back at him. I don't know. I don't know what's up with the drivers, but I would give. I would also give Reband his driver. I think we're both. I don't know if we're you know like outstanding drivers of the ball, but we do. We rarely ever hit a driver you know out of play. So I mean, we're in play almost every hole, and then you know we let the rest of the clubs kind of do the work, and you know hopefully it adds up to a good score. But you know if you can't get the ball in play, you're not you're not playing very good. So, so I, I, I give rebound the driver as well. well. That probably goes to uh, speak to how important the, the driver is in, in this day and age in golf, you know, especially at each of your level and the courses you're playing. Yeah. If you're out of position, you know, forget about it. Um, you know, almost regardless of how far you hit it, we've obviously seen, uh, we've seen the big golfer, uh, Mr. DeChambeau get himself in a lot of trouble at Augusta, uh, when he has not, uh, put it in play. And so hitting it a long way is important. Uh, I think the stats show that, but, uh, there's no substitute for having a clear view of the, uh, of the next shot. And, but kind of speaking of that, whenever things kind of do go awry, whether it's, uh, you happen to hit one off the planet, um, tough, bad shot, you miss a putt, you get a bad break. I'm kind of curious um, and again, going a little nerdy here, but give me, what do you do to kind of reset in the moment when that happens? Right. So it's golf's a, for everybody at every level, probably the one of the most frustrating things you can go out and do because your expectations are here and you're never probably here or very rarely here. How do each of you guys handle that when something goes bad, whatever that means, yeah. how do you reset? And I'll let you uh, guys decide who goes first. I'll, I I got a I got a good uh, Coach Hibble thing right here. Um, he he'll he'll t- so all you need for you know whatever it is you know if you're out of play you know get a chance at bogey if you're you know scrambling for par get a par putt and I think uh, a good putt a, like you know if you're putting good that solves everything that you know it takes away those bad shots that you hit so if you're making putts. Um, you're still, you know, I, I would take a, you know, a good up and down over a 20 putt or a 20 footer two putt, you know, but I mean, obviously the 20 footer is going to be easier, but you know, you gain a little bit momentum when you're, you know, when you get that hot putter, you're feeling, you're feeling nice going to that next hole. It doesn't matter what you just did. You might've, you know, hit one in the water and then get up and down for par. So, uh, 
I think a good up and down or a good putt can, you know, you know, turn the tide a little bit and get you back on track. So that's, you know, what I, I try to give myself the best chance I can. And, you know, if it goes in, it goes in. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, you, it's hard to make everything. So uh, that's kind of what I do. I like it. Kind of the next, the next, uh, the next shot's the best opportunity to get things back. So focus on that next shot kind of thing. And, and if, uh, if you do that, well, kind of even builds confidence off of something go bad. It's kind of what I'm hearing there. Reban, what, what do you do when, yeah. when things are going south? Yeah. Um, I believe it was Walter Hagen that said three good shot or three bad shots and one good shot still makes four. <laughs> um, yeah, kind of, kind of similar to Q. Obviously I get jazzed up about a good up and down or a, a really like clutch bar putt or something like that. But when things are going south, when it's not going my way, I usually try to give myself a 20 yard walking window where I can <laughs> say whatever I want to myself, get it all out. It doesn't always, it doesn't always go that way, but that's what I try to do. Whether it be, come on, get your shit together. Um, that was, that was the worst bogey you've ever made in your life type deal, but hopefully you can bounce back with a birdie. So 20 yard walking window and that, uh, that may be the title of my next my next book right there. Um, all right. Well, we, we told you guys we're only going to keep you an hour. We're about 50 minutes here. We're, we're going to get into, on our podcast, we do what's called the short par four. Uh, both my partner Keith and I are huge fans of a short par four. A lot of options, a lot of fun, a lot of risk reward. And so we're going to do this in somewhat of an alt shot format on the short par four so that uh doesn't drag on but uh we're gonna ask you four questions uh kind of golf golf centric and more rapid fire answers uh we're gonna start uh with big q first question teeing it up on the short par four give us the best part about being a college golfer uh i would say free gas station trips um you know, free, free food on the road. You know, some people take advantage of that. I don't take advantage of it. I, I eat everything that I buy. So it's not going to waste. <laughs> free gas station trips. Uh, all right. We got it. We got the approach in here. Reban, uh, give us the golfer out on tour. Uh, or I suppose, I suppose it could be at any level that, uh, you love to root against. That's agreed. It's short and simple. A fairly popular answer to that question. If you, I'm sure you'd be shocked about that. Um, all right, Q, we're, we're kind of, we've got the birdie putt here on the short par four. One last round of golf. You only get one last round. You know, tomorrow's the last day. You get one more time to tee it up. Only caveat is it has to be a course you've previously played. Where are you playing it? I'd probably go to Southern Hills. Great answer. Great answer at, uh, uh I've, I've had good experiences at Southern Hills and it's a great golf course. And, you know, hopefully it could be a practice round for, uh, well, I guess it's last round ever. So never mind. I was going to say it could be a practice <laughs> round for the PGA. Uh, it's, a, it's a practice round for the practice rounds up in the skies. If you know what I'm talking about, you only get one. You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd, go, I'd go to Southern Hills. All right. Well, we're tapping in on the short par four for par and a little twist to this question, but reband, there's going to be a movie made about the life of Quade Cummins. What famous golfer is going to play Quade? Hmm. Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer. Okay, now I know I said rapid fire <laughs> answers, but go ahead and uh, elaborate a little bit. That's that's we can't leave a cliffhanger like that. Uh, well, they're both just like really gritty and 
neither of them ever wanted to lose. And I think it'd be a, a match of a lifetime for, uh, for the viewers to see. Arnold Palmer. I love it. Well, we, you know, we're, we must be, uh, we don't like slow play clearly in this, in this threesome. And so we got through that pretty, pretty quickly. Let, let's, let's play another short part for here, but let's, let's go reverse order. We're going to tee it up again. And this time, Mr. Reban, I'm teeing you up for what is, in your opinion, the best part of being a college golfer. Well, obviously, definitely. He hit it. He hit it, the nail on the head there with gas station stops, uh, unlimited food. Um, but kind of because in college, you kind of, you get guys from all over that end up on the same team as you. And you kind of, you build like a, a brotherhood essentially where you get to spend day in and day out with these guys. And there's nothing more special than that. Um, especially being able to do it for five years instead of four. Um, it's just that extra year of growing together and, and being together. Yeah. I got to believe it. for golfers, you, know, you always have your kind of your favorite foursome. It's a group of guys you like to play with playing golf with guys in college. And certainly at the level that you guys play it has got to be an amazing experience. All right, Quaid, give us your, again, pro shot here on the short par four, the golfer you love to root against out on tour. Um, I'll try to, let me, this might take a second, but I'm going to go a different answer. Okay. Okay. Um, if I can't, I'll just default to that one because I think everybody roots against Patrick Reed. Trying to think of, you know, I mean, it's kind of bad of us to say because, you know, what if, you know, somebody's out there rooting against us? I would love for this Reed. podcast to blow up enough where anybody actually hears this. You know, that would be great for, for us. I don't doubt that's going to happen. But uh, if Patrick Reed is listening – you know, I, I, he's probably heard it before. So you're, you're probably not going to piss him off too bad. Yeah. Um, all right. We're co-signing on Patrick Reed. No, no problem at all. All right, Reban, we're back to you. You get one last round of golf in your life. Again, caveat, you've already played it before. So where are you going back for your last round ever? Pebble Beach. Pebble Beach. Probably not a lot of context needed around that one. Pretty. No, pretty it's, uh, it's a place for you place where you can reach full Zen and um, kind of just let your, uh, let your mind settle and kind of just enjoy, you kind of take your mind off golf when you're out there and just enjoy the views and know that you're in a very special place. Yeah, definitely one of those uh, heavenly spots for, for golfers. All right, Q, uh, unfortunately we're tapping in for another four here on the short par four. So uh, your turn to tell us about the movie production of the life of Garrett Reband, what famous golfer is going to play Garrett? I think uh, Reband knows who I want to say, but I'm not going to say it. Um, <laughs> it's only fitting. Just because he's kind of out of the, he's kind of out of. The, well, you got he, to he's now. He's out bro. of the loop now. We're, we're going. No, we're going with a. Uh, we gotta go with this tall, skinny guy. I'll go with a. Uh, He's not very tall, but I'll go with like, you know, Justin Thomas. They both, they're both pretty, you know, fiery and, you know, have, you know, that competitive gene in them. You know, they get fired up when something, something happens at the end of a tournament. So I'll, I'll go with Justin Thomas. Awesome. Just, I, Justin Thomas needs to be a little taller. Well, as a, uh, as a huge JT fan, um, being a JT myself, JT is definitely my uh, my my hitter out there on tour. We have the same yeah short and slender 
Uh, he gets a lot more out of it than I do. I don't know how that's working out, but thanks for, <laughs> yeah, thanks Reben, for, uh, kills it too. thanks for humoring, uh, humoring the listeners with the short par four. I'm glad we got through two of those and right up against an hour here. So I just want to finish out by telling you how much we appreciate you jumping on. Uh, we will see you next week at Prairie Dunes. We, you know, again, journalistic integrity. We will not have our OU, OU gear on, so don't take offense to that. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll try to sneak a post round interview uh, with each of you coming off probably on Wednesday uh, when we're kind of cutting the mustard up there. But you guys are in for a treat. Talking about the weather, you guys both mentioned it. I saw it's going to be like 90 on Monday, raining on Tuesday, and then like 50 on Wednesday. So I, that's the full gamut at Prairie Dunes. Um, so pack some layers, boys. That's pretty standard for uh, for Prairie Dunes there. All right. Well, we're going to get you guys out of here. Really appreciate the time, and we will see you next week at Prairie Dunes. Yes, sir. Thanks Thanks for having us on. Yes, sir. Thanks for having us. Well, there you have it. Jay Till's interview and set down via Zoom, of course, uh, with OU's own Quade Cummins and Garrett Reban. So very cool. Uh, again, very appreciative of those guys uh, sharing an hour with us uh, relatively early for a college student on a Friday morning. So uh, kudos to those guys for stepping up and uh, sharing some time with Jay Till. Uh, great interview um, uh, that uh, that Jonathan uh, put forth there. So good stuff there. But uh, uh, shout outs, right? Plugs, right? So obviously you can follow the guys themselves, right? Uh, Quade and uh, in Garrett out on Twitter, right? So uh, Quade is out there at Cucumber Zero, and that's a the letter Q, and then C U M B E R in the in zero uh, on Twitter, uh, and then uh, uh, Garrett's out there on Twitter as well at Garrett Reband, uh, and that is one R two T's, all one word. Uh, if you want to follow Garrett out there as well, and obviously we'll be following them very closely uh, this week. Uh, out at Prairie Dunes for the Big 12 Championship. But uh, plugs for us, right? So, obviously, again, Jay Till uh, running the official YSO Golf Twitter handle, at YSO Golf. Uh, and then, of course, the, the Sports Pros Network, right? So, check us out on the web at fantasysportspros.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And, again, that is pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. Good stuff here uh, this week, gang. So, again, excited about the week. Big 12 championship. Looking forward to getting back up to Prairie Dunes and watching all the action unfold. And uh, we'll be talking at you more throughout the week. Again, got a special uh, kind of a, a focus in on Oklahoma State's uh, a golf program kind of leading up to the Big 12 championship and then kind of a look back as well. So going to be a lot of fun uh, a little bit later on for that one this week as well. So that will wrap it up uh, for this episode, gang. And as always, get out there and enjoy the walk. Uh-huh.